I was told no for seven figure. <laughs> and so maybe that's part of it because I felt like I had something to prove. Like I can do it. I, I was told no. I went back. I, I, started, I started marketing and put a bunch of deals on the board and then went to Salt Lake City, met with Andy and, and got the invite. Welcome to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. Seven Figure Flipping is on a mission to help serious investors do more deals, make more money, work fewer hours, and get their lives back. Here's your host, Seven Figure Flipping CEO, Bill Allen. Hey everybody, welcome to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. This is Bill Allen, and today I've got the next um, episode in our Entrepreneurial Leap Series. So are you an entrepreneur? So we're going through the six traits that Gino Wickman talks about in his book, Entrepreneurial Leap. And remember, a trait is a genetically determined characteristic that he talks about. So you either have, either have these six or you don't. And we've gotten the board of directors together of Seven Figure Flipping, and each one of them have one trait that really stands out to me when I sat down and looked. And it just so happened that there were six traits and there's six of them. So I'm bringing each of them on the podcast just to give you guys a little refresher. The six traits are visionary, passionate, problem solver, driven, risk taker, and responsible. Where responsible is like being responsible for your actions and outcomes like ownership. So today we're in the fourth episode talking about driven and I've got my good friend Jeremiah Johnson with me today. How are you doing, Jeremiah? I'm doing really well. How are you? I'm doing good. So man, before the way I've been starting these is uh-huh. I'm kind of reading the first couple paragraphs of the, that chapter in the book about that, that trait. And then just asking people like, do you think that you have that? So let me start by just reading the first, um, maybe like paragraph or two about driven. So they, everybody's listening kind of understands what that looks like. So here's what he says. The fourth essential trait driven, the definition of driven is operated, moved or controlled by a specific source of power. Driven people have a strong sense of urgency. This trait is essential to success. Whether you're trying to prove something to someone, trying to avoid the life you had growing up or trying not to be a failure. There are some of the, these are some of the roots of an entrepreneur's, entrepreneur's drive. This trait is very different from the trait of passion. Whereas being passionate is about passion for your product or service, being driven is about an internal fire that you want to succeed, regardless of what the product or service is. Driven people are tenacious, tenacious competitive, self-motivated, goal-oriented, growth-oriented, and never give up. They hustle, they want to succeed. Driven means not settling for second best. You're relentless. In order for your business to be successful, you have to want to win because there will always be competing forces. If you only take what comes, you'll find your company slipping backward. Only your drive to succeed will break down barriers to grow to the next level. So are you driven is what it ends this paragraph or this chapter in. So what do you think? Are you driven? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. From, when it, from, from the, the start to now it's still happening. You know? So I think the I think the interesting thing is when I read this stuff and, and when, I, I really don't love like reading aloud to people that are listening, <laughs> tripping up on words and stuff, especially entrepreneur. It's like one of the hardest words that I can say and let alone spell. So, but when I read this stuff, it gives me like the chills sometimes of like, man, that is me, totally me. So what what do you think it is about you? And let's talk about your drive a little bit. So you talked about from the beginning till now. So what was it like in the beginning? Let's go back to there. And where do you think that came from? What you know, it's, it started before real estate. Um, I sold cards door to door, like sales leadership cards as a kid, um, because I wanted a jungle gym and, 
and I have been goal driven. So you, you talked about a trait. I mean, it's just been something that's been in me um, since I was a kid. And then starting most recently in, in the real estate um, investing and wholesaling and flipping, it, it was something that I saw other people doing it and I'm super competitive. <laughs> And so it was one of those, you know, well, if they can do it, I can do it. And also, um, I wanted that, that financial freedom. I wanted to, it actually started with my two sons. Um, I, you know, I was, I did really well in medical sales and I was a typical American consumer and my spending rose to meet my income. And I just didn't see how I was going to save, you know, the amount of money that I needed to save for college for the boys. And so I started investing in real estate and then I saw how powerful it could be. You know, so, but as far as driven, you know, the relentless pursuit been through a lot of ups and downs in the last three years and starting a business. And, and uh, that trait has helped me to weather those storms, you know, just not going to quit. So I think, I think we'll talk about that. But before we do, you, you mentioned like the need to win. So this is kind of, as, as I was reading that, I was going, man, yeah, you don't ever want to be second best. It's, a, it's this drive to win. And you're always kind of, I, like, I remember meeting you at the first, the first Flip Hacking Live. I think we, um, maybe, maybe it was, a, it was, was it the second one or the first one? I think it was the first one. Yeah. Yep. And um, just meeting you, I, I, it was very interesting when we had some, uh, some things in common with our, like my son was about to be born with a, um, heart defect. And yep. so I remember that conversation, but you basically were just like, you were intense. And I think that's a big part of what I get from you all the time. Like you're constantly in, you feel like everything is, you're going full out all the time. And I think that's part of that is drive, right? And it's that competitiveness. And I feel it too. I'm always, I don't ever really want to be second. I remember sitting in that first mastermind meeting, those first seven figure flipping meetings, knowing that I'm not going to win the race to a million dollars, but knowing that, uh, even if I had a chance, like I'm going to figure out how to go from one deal to a million in a year, if I can figure out how to do it. And I, I won't, I never really talk about it. Like I, it's, I'm not in your face competitive, like I'm going to crush you kind of thing, but it's, it's always in my mindset and the way that I'm actually going about running my business. So, yeah. and I see a lot of that same thing in you. So where do you think that came from? Like, if you look back, like what, where did that come from as a kid? Were you really athletic or were you really competitive as a kid? Were your parents pushing that on you? What was it? You know, I was a, I was small and I wasn't real athletic. I was kind of a, a late bloomer, if you will. And maybe that was, that was part of it is I always want, I was always, I always felt like I was catching up. And so I just, it instilled in me that I just am going to do whatever I need to do to, uh, to get it done, you know, and, and when I, uh, when I did, like I said, it went back to when I was selling cards, you know, <laughs> I wanted that jungle gym. My parents said, well, you have to save for it. Saving it on, with an allowance took forever. So I figured out a way to, to buy it. <laughs> you know? so it's, it, I, um, I don't know. I, I don't know what started it, but it's just, I've got it. Yeah. And you know, the, the reason I ask you that is because when I look back, I have no idea either. Like, I really just don't know. It's, and like they said, it's a genetically determined characteristic, it seems. And, sure. you know, yeah. my question is, is like, it's interesting because you might, and what he mentions in the book a lot of is you have other family members that don't have this trait. So it's a lot of times it's not upbringing. So you'll have like one a brother and another two brothers, for example. One of them is 
totally driven. And the other one is just, I don't know what the opposite of driven is, maybe lazy, um, but just is okay with being second or third or fourth or not even competing and things like that. And it's a, so that's why he talks about genetic as opposed to something that is really kind of instilled from a, from an upbringing, this kind of nurture side. So it's more of a nature versus nurture thing. And so it's interesting because when I look back, like, I don't, I can't really pinpoint where I became like super competitive and have this drive and want to win and be the best mm -hmm. at everything that I do. Um, but I, yeah, I have no idea where it came from and I can't really describe it, but I remember even when I was little, I would want to you know, <coughs> run faster. I wanted to climb higher than uh, other kids. I wanted to figure out how to win the, the contest or the competition, uh, very competitive. So, um, and I think, I think that plays really well into what we do as entrepreneurs and business owners, because all these other traits, like we have to be the visionary, we have to be a risk taker, we have to be passionate, we have to take ownership, we have to do all of these other things. But that drive, and as I list them all out, I don't think one is any more important than the other, but mm -hmm. you have to have them, right? So this one is one that sometimes can be looked at as a negative, where somebody's really competitive or really driven and it will... Uh, there, there could be some, a negative side to this that we'll probably get into at the end, but I think it just comes from who we are. And like you said, I, you just got it right. And I feel like I just got it. And I think most entrepreneurs are going to say, I don't know. I just, I just have it. And it's, it's what I want to do. You know, you just, you just brought something to the forefront. My, um, my dad was a critical care nurse the whole time I was growing up and he has such a work ethic religiously five days a week plus weekends on call the whole time um, I knew him in his professional career was in the hospital just constantly I mean, and he did such a good job providing for us but I I knew for a fact I didn't want that schedule you know <laughs> I, I wanted the the freedom that went along with um to being an entrepreneur. So I don't know that it was the antithesis of my father. Cause I mean, he, what an example and, and the work ethic that he brought. I mean, he just was, he was relentless, you know, with, with what he did for us, but I, I didn't want to necessarily follow that path either. And so um, maybe that's part of it. Okay. You know? Yeah. I, yeah, I, I think, you know, it's, I think, like you said, we just, you just got it right. We've got it. Yeah. And, and you see it in other people. I see it a lot in other people. And I think I can identify it really well. It's just like when I saw you and met you, I wasn't doing anything uh, huge. I mean, I had done, you know, I, I had ramped my business up from doing one deal and built a little bit of a team at that point. But I mean, you very quickly came on the scene and just started blowing things up. And I knew that, I mean, I could tell just from meeting you and talking to you in a short period of time that that would, would happen if you put your mind to it. And whatever you put yourself into, it was obvious the kind of character and person that you are with this drive that you're going to take over and dominate in whatever you do, which is really cool. I think it's, you can tell when you meet other people and talk to other people, like they're, they're kind of level almost on the scale of, of driven. And you were just, you were relentless in talking to people and getting information and, and your confidence was uh, really impressive. And I think you had some, you had been doing some deals for another investor. So you had some you had an idea of what was what and you're like, I can do this. If, I mean, if these guys can do it, I can do it, which I think is, you know, obviously part of that event is us saying, you know, Hey, it, it's pretty obvious that if these, these people up on stage can, can go from never doing a deal to doing a bunch of volume, then so can you. And part of this, this series that we're doing is just to determine like, what are the core characteristics that you need to really get to that level and, and blow things up? 
So you came, uh, go ahead. I was told no for seven figure. <laughs> and so maybe that's part of it because I felt like I had something to prove. Like I can do it. And it just goes right back to it. Like I, uh, I, I was told no. I went back. I, I, started, I started marketing and put a bunch of deals on the board and then went to Salt Lake City, met with Andy and, and got the invite. So I was. <laughs> I was so, what you, so what you mean, like uh, d- describe that. What do you mean by you were told no? So tell the story. I, I, um, well, they took applications for seven figure uh, there at Flip Packing Live, which was my first event. And I still work for somebody else. So I hadn't actually done deals on my own. You know, well, they're like, how much revenue did you do last year? I said, well, did three million, but it was for somebody else. Well, come back when you've, you know, there are people here that have done a lot more than that than you. And so I was, I was dismissed from the application pool. And uh, I, I really, I wanted in. I wanted in because I knew what a what a good opportunity it was. And and seeing the you and the other guys on stage. I knew that I could learn a ton and I, I, you know, I knew I had a good foundation, but knowing how to buy them is not knowing how to run a, and operate a, a flipping and wholesaling business. And so I, I really, I wanted to be surrounded by the pack. And uh, it, that was, that was the discussion. Well, you go back and, and, and put some numbers on the board and then come back and talk to us. And so that's, that's what I had to do. So what did, so what did it feel like when, uh, like, what did that do to you when they said, no, sorry, you can't, can't join this, uh, this group. You, you don't have the, the experience. Initially it was disappointment. Like, uh, you know, that, that's, I wanted to take my ball and go home for a quick uh, split seconds. And then I was like, well, I just, I, now I've, I've got to do it. Like it, it wasn't even really an option. It was, it was more of, What's my best route? And I stayed in contact. I stayed in contact with Andy. You know, how, how have you done it? He was really helpful. And then I, I maximized a few marketing channels. And, um, you know, and then I approached them because they, there was the, like there's runway now, there was a different group. And they, they well, you probably ought to go into runways. Well, that's a little too, I, I'm, I'm not a runway level. You know, I'm not necessarily, it may not be seven figure, but I'm kind of in between. And, so we, I proposed a kind of a hybrid and it, and it worked. Yeah. So I, yeah. I remember that you kind of, uh, jumped in, started executing, did, did what you needed to do, doing deals. And then easy, you know, very easily kind of came into the group and just became a leader almost from the beginning. And that's what I see in a lot of this is like that drive and the problem solving and the risk taking and the passion and the visionary stuff, like all of these things combined when that happens, it's very it's it's easy to become an early leader in inside of a group or anything that you're doing. You come on a team probably. You're one of the early adopters of of leadership. You're kind of the captain of the team probably. You're very quickly to move up from junior varsity to varsity in high school and things like that. So you know I, I don't know where all of that came from for me, but I feel like if you put me in a room, I'm going to want to take take over and take control. And I think that's the drive that a lot of us have. We, we don't want to take a back seat. And we want to be the ones in the spotlight, basically. And I attributed a lot of this stuff to that person who wants the ball at the last second of the game to make the winning shot or whatever it is in any, you know, any analogy that you put that with. It's that person who, for all these traits, they want, they want to be the one in the spotlight to win or lose, like fail mm-hmm. or succeed. They want to be the person who's driving the bus. So it's, like it's that high. You want to control your destiny. Yep. Yeah. yeah. You want to be, you, you, and you're willing to take the heat. Like you're willing to, 
um, you're willing to miss the shot. I mean, there's a great Michael Jordan quote about like, he's, you know, missed more game winning shots than he's made things like that. Like he's just, he wants to be in the spotlight, wants the ball and his team wants to give him the ball. Right. Cause they know yeah. that they have the best chance to win if he, he has it. And so other people will recognize that in you too. So, so let's talk about your business a little bit. You came in and with this drive and these other traits, um, you were able to, to ramp things up pretty quick. Can you just give us the quick like rundown of what that looked like since we talked about Flip Hacking Live? And then um, how do you think that skill uh, allowed you to do what you did, like that drive? Well, I, drive and coachability, really, I think were, were two things that, that helped because I'm not a big fan of reinventing the wheel and the... Um, the hard knocks school of, of real estate is pretty expensive, you know? So I, tr I tried to listen to you and Andy and everybody else that um, would, would give me advice. And, and so I, I, I maximized a few marketing channels and we quickly started wholesaling in, in a remote market. I can living in Denver and my market because of a non-compete was Wichita, Kansas still is. Um, we did we did break the million in our first year we did over 100 transactions and that was my goal and we hit it and then the second year um we almost doubled but we we worked twice as hard we did twice the transactions and we made less money so we we grew really rapidly but it, we we really were inefficient and um then in the third year i went ahead and I hired a, a COO or a, an operations manager and we've, we, we've seen a lot of turnover <laughs> and um, we were right, right on the, on the precipice of, of, of kind of lifting off and the Corona virus hit, like we've got a pretty full bench. And so now our, our focus is just to get through this and uh, keep everybody on board for when the market opens back up. But we're still doing deals. It's just the, I don't know about you, but we've seen some friction with appointments and then also with disposition um, in the market. So currently we've got acquisition in, in Kansas city and Wichita and um, we have a, a disposition person that works for us and we're, we're going to stay in those two markets. And eventually my goal is to, to come back here too and have a, have a team here in Denver. But, that's essentially what we're doing. Cool. So very quickly out of the gate to, to a million, hundred deals, and then double yeah. that with some- 1.9. 1.9. So with some inefficiencies, which we mm -hmm. maybe we'll talk about if yeah. we have time. And then moving into this year, transitioning, bringing in a COO, which as you and I have talked about uh, on this podcast a little bit, and Nate's come on the podcast a couple of times uh, before that Dash 2 event that we did. This is it's a challenge to do that. You want to remove yourself from the day-to-day -day operations, bring somebody in, like, um, tur high, tur high turnover seems to be uh, potentially what's going to happen then uh, because you're bringing somebody else in a little bit different. Um, yeah. uh, you're realizing that you're not the person anymore who, uh, I think accountability is the big thing there, but um, I don't think we'll go down that road too much on this podcast, maybe another one in the future. But it, it, yeah. what happens is a lot of times you don't have the right people in the company and when somebody else shows you the mirror, like, hey, look at this, um, you, you, you look at it differently and you got to build a team that works for both of you when that happens. And I think what happens is we, we think that something looks one way, but when somebody gets in and holds people accountable and is working full time, uh, it really doesn't look that way. So, um, you know, what's interesting, you said coachability and drive. So I wonder if we don't dig into that a little bit because 
it's almost like, it seems like that could be a problem for some people that are really driven to actually like slow down and listen to what other people have to say and not think they know mm -hmm. everything. So I think there's a, hopefully a, a line between driven and know-it-all. Like I'll just do it myself and the one man show kind of thing. Because I think that ego and drive get put hand in hand and there's a good yeah. side of ego and this negative side of ego where like, you know, don't tell me I already know or I'll figure it out on my own kind of thing. So I think a lot of people with drive could potentially have this, I'll just go be the pioneer and figure it out. So what has that always been the case for you? Like listening to others and be coachable or, and do you think that like on your team, you've hired and fired a bunch of people. You've got people that come in that are driven all the time. What do you see with that? Is that, can that be an issue with people that are really driven that just won't listen and won't be coachable? Yes and yes. <laughs> okay. So I, I, um, that's been a skill that I've had to develop over time. I mean, fully, I was um, at one point in my life, probably too full of ego. And I think it takes, you know, like in 08, 09, um, you, you really have to go through something that lets you realize as a human, or at least I did, that, okay, I am, I'm not the end all be all. And, and maybe I am. Um, maybe a few people have been through this before me and I need to listen, you know, and it starts out with your parents. And, um, a big one for me was when I shattered my leg. It, it, it was, a uh, a real touch with mortality, you know, cause I didn't know if I'd walk again or all the stuff that I went through and then my son. And so, um, you know, going through those personal trials have, have tempered the steel, if you will, so, you know, instead of, instead of it being, you know, I, I think I know it all. It's, it's more of a, I, I know I've got the ability, but I'm, I really need to follow these other people that have blazed a trail and that, that have proven this is the way to do it. And I've done enough hard knocks that I, I just am not a fan. <laughs> you know? so, uh, I, that's, that's been a, a skill that's been developed or a trait that's been developed over time. But then with, with people, yeah, it's a big deal when, if you hire people that, that are, that are super driven and, and they can, I mean, you can hire the Michael Jordan, but if, if they uh, don't get along with everybody else, they'll ruin, they'll sour your whole team, you know? And, uh, well, I, you know, going back to the, the COO and the scaling, I, I, I don't think it's just a hundred percent looking back on it now that had the chance we've had more turnover and, um, it's just, it's been a learning curve, but I, I think some of it was the way I handled it. Um, and I was to the point where I really wanted to pass the baton because it was just too much um, and the, what I was dealing with. And um, instead of, you know, and, and part of it is I think our companies and our industry that we don't have a runway like a fortune 50, you know, you can't bring somebody in and give them a six month ramp up. Um, you know that, well, you're just going to shadow me for six months. You really, you got to put them in quicker than that. So maybe it's six weeks. And I, I noticed like, cause I think I had some, some of the people that I had were, potential long-term players and some definitely needed needed that turnover cycle but I th there was a snowball effect and you know when when one, you have one bad apple they can taint the whole bunch and so maybe a little bit slower to transition a little bit more gently um, if I would have done that we might have we might have been able to filter out the ones that we wanted to leave and, and retain the ones that I think would have been our are really good, but you know, that's, that's also, you know, as an owner, you, you learn things every day. And that was, that was part of that, 
that curve. But it, when you when you do hire people that are driven, if they're not willing to be coachable, then they're they're only going. You know, I think they'll just be okay. You know, because if you're driven and you're talented, you can you can fake it. You know, or you you can you can do probably as much as somebody with a really really high work ethic that's that's an average performer right they can they can but if they want to be excellent you know that's the difference is having that coachability and 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 then taking what's what's really been done well and, and implementing it and potentially improving it so how how do you find that in somebody that's a great question <laughs> that's, a, that's a hiring is a is a is a toughie you know, and, and because you can, you, my experience is you see the best side of people when you're interviewing them and it's, it's really difficult to screen that in a, in a, in a three, four, five hour process. I, I think as an employer, um, you don't want to have a revolving door, but I, I, there's a book called top grading where you're always, always looking to put a players in every position in your company. And I think that's, that's really the approach, you know, the systematic approach you need to take as a business owner is you're always looking for top talent because A players want to play with A players. And if you continue to, to pluck, you know, and prune like a tree, your organization, um, you will eventually get to the point where you have that, you know, full, full bench of, of starters. Well, the reason I, reason I ask that is because I think that, you know, some of it is some people might be listening to this going, you know, I'm not really sure if I'm coachable either. Like, um, you know, they're, they're in that time earlier that maybe they're, I don't know. I, I agree with you. When I was younger, I had to go through some, you said, go through something, like go through some trials and tribulations and things. And, and through all of that, I got to know myself a lot better. And through, through this, I think the time that I've known myself best has been over these last five years building this company because I've really had to deep dig down deep and figure out, you know, who, who am I and what are my strengths and weaknesses and actually understand that and be okay with it. And then this hiring process is a big part of self-identifying a lot of my weaknesses of like, what, what am I doing wrong? And going to that sixth trait that, that Gino talks about responsible, like ownership in my mind is like you, you mentioned a couple of times on this interview is it's my fault. You said, and um, I wanted to pass the baton really fast, you mentioned. And so I was the same way. Like, I feel like a lot of what happens is it's 100% me. I've had some great people, some really A players, uh, some driven folks that could have been really well and who could have done really well inside the company. And I just screwed the pooch on it because I didn't train them right. I didn't spend enough time with them. I tried to pass the buck too fast, like you talked about. And um, there might be one or two people that can keep up with that. But if you don't know yourself and really figure it out. So I think the you're going to be in trouble. I think the the biggest thing is, is knowing where you are on that cycle of um, know it all in this, <laughs> you know, yeah. and uh, am I coachable? And how coachable am I? Because we've ha- I've seen that even inside the mastermind group, we have people that come in that you know, think they know everything and they just don't listen or they don't pay, or they don't, they don't jump in. They don't replicate all the things. I, I feel like I did exactly what you did. Fortunately, I was at the point in my company, I, I use the word company, like in air quotes, if you're not watching this loosely, because it was, uh, it was me doing one deal a year and I had no idea what the heck I was doing when I joined seven figure flipping. So it was very easy for me to, to be humble and say, you guys obviously know what you're doing. I'm ready to be a sponge. And then I've seen people come in and say, I already know what I'm doing. I just want to figure out what you guys are doing and maybe that'll help. 
and they don't really commit. They don't jump all in. They don't, you know, replicate the successful businesses and they struggle through it all. Um, I don't, I wonder if this, this something, I mean, you mentioned this coronavirus time. So I've, I've recorded some of these episodes out of order and we're in a different time now than I've recorded a couple of the other episodes that we're going to show, talk about on these six traits, but this could be that something for a lot of people out there that are determining how driven they are and yeah, am I coachable sure. and wh- what do I want to be? You know, what do I want this company to look like? Do I want to stay here? Like, I think this, this has the potential. This is the transformation time in a lot of people and a lot of people's businesses to see, is this really what I want to do? Do I want to stick with it? Do I have a payroll of a hundred thousand dollars a month. Is this what I want my business to look like? Um, and that could be that something that you talked about that event, that causes them to determine how driven they are and are they an entrepreneur like through and through because when I look at this a month ago, so we're recording this on, what is it? April 13th or something. I think it's April 13th. We are, we're at a point now we're about a month into when I just finished a 30 day Facebook live challenge on leadership. So all this stuff had started before that. It's about 35 days, 40 days into this. And I remember when it got started, I was like, here we go. Uh, this is a little bit exciting for me. Um, I'm, I'm ready to be tested. Like, let me see if I can come out of this on top. Let me see if I can come out of this bigger, better, stronger than I was before. Let this wash out a bunch of my competition. Let me see how I can win and dominate and drive through this myself, uh, with the help of everybody else. Right. And, and listen to people and, and be still be a sponge in people who have been doing this for 30 years, 40 years that I can talk to. So most people are going, Oh crap. I'm not interested in feeling this way. This is uncomfortable where the driven people are like running into the burning building and everybody else is running out is the way I looked at this. And I don't want to like downplay what's happening or make anybody feel like I'm really excited about an opportunity here and be insensitive. But I feel like the true entrepreneurs are the ones who are like, yes, like uh, it's a test. What can we do? How can we win? And we're always trying to win. And right now that's the thing. I'm looking at it like a puzzle. And I'm trying to plan for contingencies and lots of other things. And this could be that something that you talked about that other people need. So I don't know. How do you feel about that? The wheel them. Yeah. It, it's, um, I mean, full transparency right when it hit and I realized everything was shutting down initially. I was like, Oh, you know, is this the way? Cause I looked at our burn rate and everything that's going on and, and yeah, I mean, that that's, if you didn't think that, is this the way I want my business to look? I think you're a little bit of an ostrich, you know? Um, but I, I didn't really ever think I'm going to shut it down. You know, it was okay. Well, how does it look going through this and what do we look like on the other side? Absolutely. And I, you know, fortunately, unfortunately in any, in any, there's an opposite reaction. So if, if there's a downturn here, if there's a, there's an economic shift, businesses like ours, there, there will be, you know, like in a way there were fortunes made in, in real estate because the values plummeted, you know? And so are you positioned to take advantage of that? And do you have the, you know, the relationships? And so that's the puzzle pieces is exactly right. You know, it's like, what, okay, what does this look like on the back end? And I don't know a hundred percent that we've, I've nailed that down, you know, Um, but I do know that um, we're going to come out stronger as a result of it. And, and what does that look like today? And it looks like what we're doing, which is, it's just staying focused on, you know, our, our, our basics, you know, get back to the, the very fundamentals. We've adjusted our calculators and stuff, but down, 
down the road, I, I think it's, it's stay engaged with your lenders and, and be ready to pounce when the opportunity presents itself. Cause I, I think it's coming. <laughs> yeah. Do you? Uh, yeah, I think it's, I, I'm not sure. I actually, I'm not sure. Like when I talked to Bruce Norris, sure it was a very, very interesting conversation that I had with him. Um, I think the lenders and the foreclosures will um, kind of drive that like he talked about. So it was very interesting. Um, and obviously, I think the big catalyst here, and I don't necessarily know that uh, we need to go too deep into this, but I, I think the big catalyst is the, the length of time that yes. things are shut down. So right now we still have no idea what that looks like. And if we go back out into the marketplace and um, we see another spike and then they pull back again, just how we, how we do that. So it's, um, it'll be interesting to see, but I'll tell you, it's been 30 or 40 days and we haven't really done much different inside of our company right now in those 30 days. Yeah. So I just reflected on that yesterday and it was really interesting to see that over these last 30 days, we haven't adjusted our marketing. We haven't adjusted our team. We actually hired a couple more people, the uh, full commission. Um, we're leveraging some of the government um, subsidies that uh, have come out, this uh, Paycheck Protection Program for my W-2 staff. But ultimately, we haven't done much different. I haven't seen the data that we need to drive a change in what we do. So it's interesting um, that, that looking back 40 days, I thought for sure we would be doing something different today. When I got on a call with Nate, right, when all this stuff happened and we were starting to talk about it, I was like, well, well let's watch the data and see how we need to change. And I do think we need to be looking forward in all of it, but this real estate is, is very like slow moving animal. Yeah. Um, we're not going to see a 12% drop in real estate values overnight like we did in the stock market. So we yeah. have time to adjust, but um, so that's what I'm looking at, just the kind of data and see. So I'm, I'm going to be the first one to say, I have no idea what's going to happen, but I have some theories and I have some way, like some contingency plans for us moving forward. But I think that this is like, that, that, this, is pro, this is obviously that something that a lot of people need to either jump in or jump out. So like they, this yeah. is the time to decide, like, are you an entrepreneur? Are you ready to take this kind of pressure? Like, do you want to be in the driver's seat when something like this happens? And I, I do. And so if you're driven, if you have this trait, then you're going to be the one who wants to go through something like this because and, 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 it's a test. It's just another game. Like, honestly, I, when I look at this, when I look at business, and I, look at, I look at money as like a scoreboard. It, like, I'm not somebody who's, who wants a ton of money. I need to uh, buy fancy things. Um, it's just another way to keep score, it seems, for most entrepreneurs that are super driven. They want to win, right? It's somebody who's keeping score. It's just another way to keep score. Like, I don't care. We'll give, we'll give it away. Well, you know, it, it does make things easier. But initially when I was building my company and trying to figure things out, that's, that's what I cared about because I, we didn't have any of it. And I was trying to figure out how to make some of it so we could, I could leave my, um, I wouldn't get deployed. I could be home with the family. I could do all that stuff. And then it's become a whole lot more since then. So um, it's interesting to see this when we go through something like this, a transition uh, a test, if you will, then are you interested in being a part of it or do you run away and want to kind of, like you said, ostrich, you don't, yeah. Game on. your head in the sand. So I do think, that's, I that's do it. think it's going to release some of the competition we are facing. Yeah. I think the, I think the people that are, you, you talked about positioning, like we're, we're not in the best position for this to happen right when it did. And I don't think, I think a lot of people aren't like, you never really know when something's going to happen. But the question, yeah. the question is like in your gut, are you like, okay, what now? Or are you going, Oh crap, I'm in the worst position. What do I do? I'm not, I, this doesn't feel good. I'm out of here. 
you know, I'm going to run away from it and dump the mortgages and, and do all that stuff. So I, you know, I think that, I think the people who are in the best position at things like this are the people who have the skills and the knowledge to be excited about, like be ready to figure it out. And then you've got the people who are, um, who are just getting started. Maybe they're a one man show or they're jumping into the business. They have mm-hmm. the ability now to jump in. Like I look at these, uh, like a stock investor, I, it's just because a lot of people know about stocks and ups and downs. When the market's down 30% and you're investing for the first time as an 18-year-old kid and you just started your IRA, it's like the best time to jump in, right? But when you're about to retire and the stock market's down and you're aggressive still because you didn't go into cash and bonds and, and allocate your assets, right? Then you're going, oh crap, how? I mean, my, my whole portfolio just went down 30%. I'm retiring next week. So there's a good time and a bad time for this stuff to happen. And so same thing here. I think if people were scaling and dumping a bunch of money, hadn't made money for a year and a half and are going, yes, like 2020 is my year to blow up my business and I can finally start making money. Those people are probably in a a bad position or situation because they were growing and scaling. And then you've got the people who are just getting started or the people who have cash in the bank and are, you know, but the the interesting thing, and they're going to have trouble, obviously. I think the big thing is, they can never take our experience and our knowledge and anything like that. It doesn't go with a market shift or change. So no. we can take all that and parlay it and, and go all in on what we're doing. And I think the driven people are the people, like I said, who are running at this stuff. They're it, it, deep down. They're like, this is going to be fun. Re- regardless of how I do, if I win or lose, if I make the shot or don't make the shot, I'm going to enjoy playing the game over this next six months, one year, two years, three years. And I think that's where I am. And I suspect that's probably where you are. And mm-hmm. wherever this hit us, we're in control of our destiny and our outcome. Yes, I, I would agree with that. I, I, I still, um, I, I don't want to downplay it. I, I do think it, I was aggressively scaling, right? So this, this definitely could have been better time for us, but it is what it is. You know, I mean, it's not like I can't, I can't change that. What I can do is control what I do moving forward. And, and that's what we're doing. We're controlling the controllables and we're, we're still getting deals. And I, I firmly believe that we will come out of this stronger because what it's done is it's exposed all of our inefficiencies, you know, all, all the little dings on the credit card that, eh, you know, I'll deal with that next month because I'm too busy. I mean, all those all of a sudden become a huge focus. And so you, you really go to tighten your, your cash machine and, you know, it, it'll make us, it'll, it's making us stronger. You know, so would I have preferred that it not happen? Sure. You know, but is, is it going to be a good thing? I, I believe so. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Like the weaknesses yeah. and inefficiencies, it's, it's looking at the, the issues with the armor right now and we're diving into it. And if you're not, uh, you need to make sure that yeah. you're doing that for sure. The, um, you know, I, I guess what's, what's the negative side of this? We talk about being driven and I, I try to touch on this a little bit towards the end of each of these uh, episodes is what's the negative side of being like too driven or having this characteristic? Have you ever seen something in your life or in your business where it has like reared its ugly head and showed you the negative side of, of this or what's potential, what you're potentially concerned about? Well, from a family perspective, absolutely. You know, okay. Um, Let's talk about that a little bit. These things, uh, you're, you're, you're home, but nobody's home. 
know? Yeah. And, and by the way, Jeremiah is um, holding up his phone. If you're not watching on YouTube or yeah, that's my phone. phone. Um, it, it's easy to that that drive. It's easy to be all in all the time. You know, it could be ten o'clock at night, and ding, you know, something goes off, and and um, it would totally wait until the morning. But I have a hard time waiting until the morning, and so I've I've really had to work personally, and I'm not perfect at it. I'll be the first to admit to um, try and have a better work personal balance because I just, I, 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 I approach it with that, you know, I, a relentless pursuit and it, uh, it tends to affect your personal life, your family, you know, your kids and everybody else. Cause they know, well, dad's working, you know, dad's working. And the whole reason why we do this is to spend time with them you know, to have to provide for them and to have a, a better um, or a good, a good situation for your family. And, and the, it seems like they get the brunt of it sometimes, which is a negative. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Um, I think that you can become consumed by things very easily. So like addictive personality, we're the people who, the, the, the drive trait to me is like the gas. You just got your yes. foot on the gas all the time, right? And I like and, to floor it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've, I've, I've been snowboarding with you uh, while you're skiing down the mountain doing like 80 miles an hour. So um, I have no doubt that you do. And I think that's, that's it. That's what we, we this is, this, this driven trade is like, how hard do you step on the gas really? And is it just lead foot always on, always down? And a lot of times we have trouble unplugging from that. I agree. I have the same, I have the same issue. You can ask anybody who knows me well or my family that, uh, I mean, I remember when I was getting this this going, I'd be, I'd have my phone and Will would have to say daddy three times before I even heard him because I was looking yes. at my phone and my email. And then I, I would say, what am I doing? Like, why am I doing this? And I still struggle with that. I do. That work-life balance, the, um, the unplugging. I'm here. Uh, we just got an office about a month and a half ago down the street from my house. It's like right across from my, my house. It's, it took me two minutes to get here this morning, if that. And it's been nice because now when I leave here, I do feel a difference than just walking out of my office into my kitchen. So th- what, what this virus has done is it's forced me out of my house into this office that I would never, I only come like once a week here. And now I've been here every day for the last three weeks. And it has given me some of that balance. It's helping? It is helping a bit. Yeah, for sure. I feel like I, it's still there a little bit, but not as much because I mean, I just always felt like I was at home. So I think this drive, we talked about some of the other negatives with, um, not being coachable and thinking you know everything, that know-it-all driven person is is a challenge. But I think some of the other traits will help with that, like the responsible trait, like saying it's it's my fault and things. So um, I think there's a check and balance there with that, which that responsible ownership side is a little bit of the break. But I think the the real driven entrepreneur folks um, need some help with the breaks a lot of times. Like we need somebody yeah. to come in and be the break for us. And um, so. You know, I, I think if you're out there and you're listening and, and you know immediately when I read that paragraph, like that's you. If you're out there saying, yeah, that's me, but I'm not, I, I do have the time where I don't listen that well. I don't feel like I'm coachable. I think that's something that you can take from this and work on and, uh, and really have to go through those trials. If, if you're younger or older, you just have to see where you are in the cycle. And that's a big part. I think that being humble and being able to understand that you don't know everything, especially when you go into a new opportunity, a new market, a new business, new venture, new anything that you're doing. You got to learn. You got to be coachable. And there's people out there that know 10 times more than you. 
that are willing to give that information to you to, to help you be successful, which I think in our industry, it's amazing that there's so many opportunities out there to get the knowledge and information and training and, and coaching that you need to help you ramp something up really quickly. Like we did. And yeah. it's, it, I, it's just, it doesn't happen in most business worlds. And I think it's, it's really nice to have that. And we need other people who are like us to feel more comfortable about who we are. I talked about getting to know myself. Yeah. I feel like if I did this in a vacuum, um, I would have gotten somewhere. I don't know if I wouldn't have gotten to the success level that I've had. I would have gotten somewhere on my own, but it would have taken a lot longer. And yeah, I not as quickly for sure. For, yeah, absolutely. Not as quickly. Definitely with more um, carnage along the way of mm -hmm. like, screwing things up and losing and uh, things like that. But I also think what this has really done is it's, it's shown, it's shined a, a light on the fact that there's a lot of people out there that are just like me and it's okay to be like that. You know, you don't have that isolation feeling where yeah. I would go to the RIA meetings locally and talk to people and there's nothing wrong with those meetings, but I would feel like people wanted to be successful, but not, they, they didn't have the level of drive that I had and I always wanted more. So like, I just was never fulfilled there. And I never thought that there was anybody there that was like exactly like me. I'd kind of look around for somebody who I would, could relate to and share the struggles and, and good times and bad times that we have now. Um, but obviously the, the real issue here on the negative side that I see is what I just mentioned. There's, there's never a limit. There's no limiter, right? You always want more. So if you always want more, where's, where do you stop? And I think you can, you can put that energy into different things and one of them should absolutely be your family and one of them should absolutely be your friends and social life and one of them should actually absolutely be your health and one of them should be your business, one of them should be your finances and make sure that you have, you're putting enough energy around the whole wheel to make sure that you're not yeah. just successful in business and not successful in life when it's all said and done. Spiritual life is another one that I think you should put a lot of energy into. So that's kind of the the culmination Which, for me is getting around for the, the right driven people. person that that takes work because you don't oh, naturally yeah. you don't naturally balance out you have You're to be intentional full throttle <laughs> you know? yeah. Like, oh yeah and yeah. and and you focus that energy like a laser you know yeah. and it gets focused in certain areas and so that's what i saw i saw it i was focused on my business and financial world and um, obviously james came around the same time so i was there with the family but I, my health was gone. My spiritual life wasn't that strong. Uh, you know, a lot of that stuff was fallen by the wayside so I could put all of my energy into one thing. And I don't, I don't think that's necessarily bad in the beginning. Like you have to make a decision to put a lot of energy in one area, but when you, you can't continue to do that for a long period of time. Like you can't just focus on one or the other like one of the 10 things or one of the six things or eight things or whatever your wheel looks like in your life, you've really got to spread it out. And right now, I'm perfect, like open and honest. I'm, I'm working on my um, family life right now, my spiritual life. And, um, and a big thing for me is my friends and fun. Like my friends and fun nice. don't really exist. You know, I, like it's, I don't have a lot of local people that I spend a lot of time with. My friends I see uh, on podcasts like this. I see them every quarter at our meetings. I see them at our events and things like that. So that's, um, that's a big part of, of what I need is a more maybe regular group of people that I spend time with and, and do things with locally. So those are some areas that I know that I'm working on, but I, I'm intentionally working on it. Like every day right. when I open my planner, it says what percentage, like get to 80% or more in those areas. 
And so that's what I'm working on. And you have to be intentional about it. And I, I need to get a, as addicted to that stuff as I am to the business and everything else. And you're pretty good with fitness. Fitness, fitness is, it has changed. <laughs> it was, uh, the last year and a half I have been, but before that yeah. uh, I was, uh, I was uh, overweight, uh, sluggish, and I hadn't been to the gym in probably like four or five years. So, oh, really? Uh, it had been four or five years? I, yeah. Uh, so for those of you guys who are listening, I'm uh, like, I'm like five foot six, but I was 180 pounds. I had a 38 inch waist, like around the love handles. And I'm down to a 31 inch waist and 150 pounds. I lost, I was down to 145, lost 35 pounds and seven inches in my waist by getting a coach. I got some, you know, hire somebody to come in, show me how to eat, show me how to work out, do those things. And I still, uh, you know, still go through that virtual coaching um, every quarter or so and uh, get back to healthy. Before the cruise, I, I hired him again for another quarter and said, hey, I'm starting to eat candy and snacks and sugar and ice cream and stuff again. I need some accountability. Hold me so, accountable. And that's it. I think that's what we do. You know, we hold each other accountable to the entrepreneurial life that we have and help each other through those things because we do have our foot on the gas all the time. So we need somebody else to kind of just keep us balanced, right? And centered. And I think that's what I love about, you know, this group of people that we have, this, uh, the, the six people that I get to bring on here are kind of my board of directors, the people that I get to bounce my ideas off of my crazy thoughts and plans and, and also keep me, keep me balanced, you know, uh, check me every now and then and say, Hey, I, Becca's really good at ch putting me in place now. And just saying like, Hey, do you really think like, I know you want to do all this stuff, but do you really think that we can do it? Do you have time to do that? Can you do it? And she's a good break for me from time to time, just checking in with her and, and keeping me centered and balanced. It's really nice to have. And I think we all need that. So who are your, like the average of the five people you spend your most time with, right? The Jim Rohn quote, like who are your five people? Who are you, who's your tribe? Who are you spending time with? And I think that's a big part of this. And mm -hmm. I love the fact that I can bring on my six people in my tribe and talk to them about the fact that they have each of these traits and spades. It's pretty obvious. But what are some of the negatives about it? Where do they struggle? You can hear, like we're all struggling in each of these. There's negatives to all of these things. There's things that can hold you back if you have too much of them or you're not paying attention to it. So um, I guess the question is, are you driven? Um, what does that look like? And then are you coachable? And if the answer is no, then that's okay. You might be a self-employed individual. You might not be the next Walt Disney or Elon Musk, Bill Gates or these kind of folks, but you might be somebody that can do something else or can build a business, but you might not have a team of 15 or 20 or 50 people doing millions of dollars a year. Um, and you might be happy with what you're doing. And that's okay too. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think, I think the big thing here in these six episodes that we're doing after Gino's presentation is, um, who are you? Like get to know yourself because that's, that's, the, that's the start. If you don't know who you are and you're not honest with yourself and saying like, hey, I actually don't want the ball in the last five seconds. I actually do want to put my head in the sand right now then you're probably not going to make the best entrepreneur. Just no. The way it is. <laughs> no. no, you got to be able to weather the storm. Yeah. Because you know? I mean, with, with all the positives, it can have the negatives too. It's just, it's a ride. It is. And it's, it's one that I think if you are an entrepreneur, you love to be on. Like there's, yeah. it's a roller coaster. And whether you're at the top or the bottom, you have to enjoy what you're doing. And there, there's, not, there's always going to be things that you don't love to do, but you're going to, as a true entrepreneur, you're going to, you're going to enjoy the ride and I'm enjoying yes. it right now. Me too.
Me too. All right. What, uh, any, last, any last thoughts for the entrepreneurs out there? Anything, a piece of advice that you can give them as they're kind of looking at this journey and saying, you know, do I, and, and by the way, I know I didn't mention it, but I, I'm trying to get a lot of, this is a real estate podcast, but I think this series is hands down the best one that you could send to uh, a young person out there, maybe uh, your kids or your, um, your neighbors or somebody that you, if you can identify and this, uh, these six entrepreneurial traits in someone, like share this with them because I want, I want this to open their eyes to the fact that this stuff is possible early on in their life or even late in life. If you got somebody who's 50 or 60, you're like, this is that person that I know, like share this podcast with them. Because I think if, if I had known that I was this like closet entrepreneur in the military for as long as I was, I may have changed a couple things. Uh, earlier on in my life, I, looking back, all the signs show that I should have known this like when I was 10 years old or five yeah. years old or eight years old when I was doing selling, trying to turn every dollar into $4. Um, I knew looking back, it's obvious. So if my parents had a, had a hold of something like this, like this book or these six traits and stuff, a podcast like this, I would have loved to have heard it. So, um, so what, what kind of advice would you have for anybody out there who is like, thinks they might be an entrepreneur or getting started? Like, I don't know, anything. You know, it goes back to that uh, with, my, with my dad and how he worked, you know, the relentless schedule of a nurse for all those years. And it wasn't that I was running from that, but I, I, I this has come into focus while we've been on this, on this call is that I really look at or looked at the opportunity cost of not, you know, uh, my brain is not wired to think, well, what, what's the worst thing that could happen? Um, you know, what, what are the bad things that could happen to me from that? That's not the way I, I think. Um, I, maybe, maybe I'm an, a, a terminal optimist, but it's more of what, what is it, what is it going to cost me if I don't? You know, so I, I go and I buy houses and I, I stink at it and, and I fail. I will never know, you know, if, if, I, if I don't take the sleep, if I don't go for it, I have to. And so, um, you know, if, if, if you find yourself in that driven category and you haven't taken that leap, I'm not saying go out and quit your job tomorrow and, and just jump in, but, um, what will it cost you five, 10, 15, 20 years from now if you don't try it? Because what if it works, you know? And that's the way, that's where I was, you know? I, I, I just, I needed to do it. I needed to do it. And the, and the opportunity cost of not doing it, you know, that what is it going to cost me if I don't was too great. <laughs> so yeah. that's, you know, the advice I would, I would say, you know, if, you, if you've got the itch, pursue it. You know, pursue it as, as, as much as your risk tolerance will allow and then find mentors to help you remove the risk. I love it. Uh, go, you know, you, you mentioned something, what's the worst thing that could happen? And I did this exercise once where it was, if you write down all the things that you think like that are stopping you from doing something, like what's, what's, the, what's this, what's this? Like, what are the reasons that you're not going to do something that you're going to say no? And because we, we tell stories in our mind of, of, what ifs, right? What could happen? This could happen. This could happen. If you write all that stuff down and then you just say like, what's the worst thing if that happens? Like, what, what's going to happen if, if that actually comes true? And what about if that comes true? And you have a list of five or six things that's stopping you from doing that. And then you write down what's the worst thing that could happen if all of those things come true. You'll start realizing that it's not that big of a deal. Like it's, it's not 
as big as you're making it up in your mind. So it could be a very easy way if you are one of those people who thinks about the, the worst thing, like the negatives, all the why, why I shouldn't instead of why I should. So yep. you're the person who's saying, I mean, I can't afford not to do that. Like, why wouldn't yes. I go do it? And you yep. don't even think about the negatives. Sure. And then the people who are thinking about the negatives, they don't think about the, the, the good side of, of what can do. And they're just kind of weighing all the negatives to outweigh the one thing that they think is positive. But when you sit down and really look at it, like there's not anything that's going to, I mean, it's not going to kill you. It's not going to do a, a, a lot of these other things that are just easily, you can get over that stuff. You can get yeah. past it. So, um, you know, you, you mentioned uh, getting around those people, spending time with them, like you can't afford not to. And we also talked about this time that we're in, the season, the coronavirus, we're all kind of hunkered down in our houses, not getting out and, and socializing that much. So, um, we're ending this podcast, but I'd like to invite you guys to come in October to Flip Hacking Live in Orlando with us. So I know yep. what's going to happen. You guys are going to be enclosed in, in a house. Um, you're going to be like right now, you're feeling like, man, my next event was canceled. The event in April, the event in May, June, July, what's going to happen? Well, October, uh, I foresee Disney World will be open. We're right down the street from there. We're going to all come together. I think this is going to be a really exciting time where we're going to start getting back out there. We're going to be back out of our houses. We're going to be able to get together. We're going to see each other. We're going to spend time together. We're going to be at a live event. And I think it's going to be perfect timing for something like this to just get us all back together to give the tips and tricks and all the things that we're doing. So you guys can right now, you're sitting at your house. You're not spending money on restaurants and movies and bars and all of these things. So Go over to fliphackinglive.com, get your ticket, mark off October 15th through the 17th and come join us in Orlando. The uh, airplane tickets are super cheap right now. It's a great time to super book all cheap. your travel. <laughs> book your travel, get your ticket, um, mark it on the calendar and have that thing be your kind of drive and your guiding light to get you through this to say, hey, I'm going to get through here so I can be there in October. I'm going to soak up all the information. I'm not going to binge on Netflix. I'm going to binge on building my capabilities. I'm going to binge on understanding my market to get to know all these things, or this is going to be the time that I do. This is that something that I'm going to get through to transition into real estate. Maybe you're not a real estate investor, but you want to be. This event is for anybody who's never gotten started to anybody who's doing hundreds of deals a year. We bring the, bring the heat, bring the value for three days and people like Jeremiah and everybody else that I bring on the podcast over the next few weeks are speaking there. So I think it's a, a great time for me to push you and challenge you to say, Go put something on your calendar, get, have something that gives you some motivation, some excitement to move forward, to have that thing that's out there, that carrot that's dangling to, um, to keep you going and keep you driving. So I think Flip Hacking Live can do that. It's an amazing event. Um, we're putting together an incredible schedule for those three days, uh, October 15th, 16th, and 17th in Orlando, Florida. We've moved from San Diego to Orlando. The resort is beautiful, Lazy River, all this. Uh, it's, it's awesome. I can't wait. I am just talking about it. I'm getting pumped up and excited about me being able to leave the house, fly the airplane, go down there um, and see all my friends like we talked about. So Gosh, I can't wait either. I'm <laughs> being cooped up like this. <laughs> yep. And it's, uh, it's snowing behind you too. So that probably helps thinking about yes, uh, Orlando, is. the pool, stuff like that. So, um, okay. The last thing, so you guys can go to fliphackinglive.com. You can grab a ticket. The ticket prices are super cheap for, for the event right now too. Airplane tickets are cheap. Get it all booked up. Get it all set up. We've got a link for the hotel that gets sent out with after you buy your ticket. So you have a discounted link for the hotel. And um, we'd love to see you guys there. And if you're not watching this on YouTube or our website, sevenfigureflipping.com, 
I recommend you go there because you can see Jeremiah sporting a mohawk today. So if you're listening to this on the podcast uh, on iTunes or Stitcher, <laughs> SoundCloud, whatever, you guys didn't know that, but um, you can pop over to YouTube or, or our website and see Jeremiah's awesome mohawk. So yeah. it's the Corona hawk that he's got going on right now. So yeah, what's, what's up with that? End of, the, end of the school year, we do them. Uh, I have two boys, four and seven. And every year we, when school's over and school's over. So we, we, we shaved them up this weekend. So you shave a mohawk. Uh, and then you're getting ready to go from Denver to Wichita to work this week. Um, I, it's, it's probably a good thing that you're in like the construction business and real estate uh, sport and mohawk. Hat. <laughs> professional hat to be Remember professional now. yeah that's awesome all right jeremiah well thanks for spending time with me today and i know everybody's going to enjoy this um you're a super driven guy it's very obvious that um, you always want to win so it's nice to be in competition like secret competition with some of you guys and um try just always trying to kind of one-up uh, each other uh, in a friendly competition. So it's, it's nice to have you kind of somebody to chase and, uh, and Andy, obviously, and, and Adam and, uh, and Mike and all these guys. So it's just, and Terry, it's so much fun to, uh, to chase you guys, whether it's spiritually, personally, professionally, all that stuff, it's, it's helpful. So, uh, thanks for doing what you do, man, and being a part of it. Thank you. All right, go to flipbackinglive.com, get your ticket. It's going to be so much fun. We're going to be in person outside of our house at the hotel uh, it's a Jeremiah told you that's where he went. That's where he, it was his first intro to this. And now doing a couple million dollars a year is absolutely amazing. So flippackinglive.com, grab your ticket. We'll see you guys there. I'll see you on the next episode. Bye. You've been listening to the seven figure flipping podcast. If you've enjoyed the show, go to Apple podcast to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. If you're ready to learn the house flipping and wholesaling strategies that are working right now in today's market, check out sevenfigureflipping.com.